Hello, welcome again to another edition of the While You Are Single podcast. I'm glad that you joined us again this week. I hope the podcast has been a blessing to you. Last week, I began to share with you what we had discussed in the While You Are Single service, which took place last month. And that was part one of the Protect Your Relationships from the Enemy series. And um, as I discussed this um, on this podcast, obviously, it's going to be broken into many parts because... You know, the podcast on the average is 15 minutes. But nevertheless, I began talking about protecting relations from the enemy. And the first thing I addressed last week was that we need to be balanced spiritually and practically. Sometimes we're too spiritual with no practical or we're too practical with no spiritual. Spirituality will get you out of bondage, but practicality will get you into the promised land, whatever the promised land means to you. Since I address basically singles in this podcast, I suppose for a lot of singles, promised land for them is marriage. Not saying that marriage is everything, but I'm acknowledging that it's a desire for singles to get married. So that may be a promised land for you, marriage. For some people, it might be uh, a promotion in the career. For some people, it might be starting your own business or whatever it is that you are believing God for, whatever breakthrough you need from God. Sometimes it's the practical things that are informed by our time with God. It's critical to spend time with God and, and worship God and study the word and, and cultivate our relationship with him through going to a good church where you get taught about how God does things and stuff like that. Then what you learn from those experiences, what you learn from your time and your worship and your prayers and um, your seeking of God should then be practiced out in real life. You now need to step out in faith. You need to show your works by your faith. James chapter 2, verse 17, faith without works is dead. I mentioned last week in Exodus 17, verses 8 to 13, where Moses is raising his hands while Joshua is fighting the battle. Moses raising his hands is the spiritual thing. Joshua fighting the battle is the practical thing. And because eventually Moses' hands were raised due to the help of Aaron and her who assisted him, um, Joshua overwhelmed the enemy with the edge of the sword. Simply put, they won the battle. But the phrase edge of the sword is a picture of the individual who is Joshua, the practical guy, but overwhelming the challenges you face with the edge of the sword, the spiritual. You have an edge over those who are only practical because of your spirituality. Your spirituality gives you an edge through the word of God over whatever you're dealing with, and it helps you prevail over what you're dealing with. So I encouraged last week, and I'm encouraging you today to not only be spiritual, but be practical. To not only be practical, but spiritual as well. Walk in balance. Be balanced. That's the main emphasis. Moses is the faith guy. Joshua is the works guy. Faith without works is dead. Faith with works is alive, and it'll help you receive and not only get out of bondage, but get into your bounty, get out of Egypt, get it into your promised land. I began to talk about last week how I felt led to address things that I was not initially going to address apart from the spiritual practical thing. I was led to go to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, an overview of what happened there is that God created the heavens and the earth. God created an environment. In chapter 2, God created marriage and simply placed the people 
in the marriage, in the environment. Let me say that again. God created an environment in chapter 1, the creation of the earth and everything in it. Then in chapter 2, the emphasis is on the man he created and placing him in the environment, literally in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7, 8, and 15. I think God does the same thing with us, especially for the person who wants to get married. He likes, he creates the environment, then he places you in that environment and places the person that he wants you to get involved with in that environment so that you guys can eventually meet and marry. He creates the environment, then creates or places the individuals that are supposed to get together in that environment. I had mentioned in the past that in Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. If a desire in your heart is to get married, God will grant you that desire. Granted, you delight in him. There's a condition. The condition is delight in the Lord. What does it mean to delight in the Lord? The Hebrew word translated as delight in Genesis 37 verse 4 is anag. Anag simply means to be soft and pliable. To be soft and pliable. In essence, can God do whatever he wants to do with you? When you let God do whatever he wants to do with you, when you're surrendered to God, when you let God call the shots, then he can do what he wants to do with you and eventually he'll set you up. But what does that look like to be soft and pliable in God's hands? Well, interestingly, in Genesis 2, 7 and 8 and 15, he talks about how God planted a garden in Eden. Eden happens to mean delight. So I believe that Psalm 37 verse 4, when it says delight in the Lord, a picture of that we can see in Genesis 2, 7, 8, and 15. It's a picture, I believe, of someone delighting in the Lord. And what happened there? Well, God took Adam and placed him in the Garden of Eden. Then he worked on him in the Garden of Eden, and eventually he brought Eve to him. So in a sense, to delight in the Lord, simply put, an overview, a great summary of it is when, as, as it pertains to getting married, I'm talking as it pertains to getting married, as well as receiving or getting into your promised land or whatever it is you're believing God for, the process, the picture of that is God placing you in the environment he created, purposing you in that environment, and partnering you in that environment. He places you, he purposes you, and he partners you. By placing you, he obviously leads you, guides you, tells you to go somewhere. That's the practical thing. The spiritual is God speaking. The spiritual is God leading. The spiritual is God directing you. The spiritual on your part is you positioning yourself to the degree that God, you hear God tell you something. You hear God place something in your heart. You hear God impress something upon you. You hear a directive from studying the word that you feel like, I feel like God is leading me to do X, Y, and Z. The doing of the X, Y, and Z is the practical. So the spiritual thing, you're seeking God, you're praying, and God says, okay, go here. Or he leads you somewhere. Then you obey and you go. Even if the place doesn't look attractive to you. Even if you prefer where you are. The truth be told, as you obey God and let God lead you, you'll discover that you are way better off where he's leading you than where you are right now. So step one, through your spirituality, seeking God, God says go somewhere. That's the practical. You're doing something. You go to that place. Then when you get to that place, God 
through your spiritual relationship with him, through your prayers and your worship and your time with God and your attending church and your reading and studying the word, you feel like he wants you to do something. You do what he tells you to do in that environment. Then eventually, as you're obedient to all that God has directed you to do, eventually, in God's timing, he brings your spouse to you. So let's go back to Genesis. Genesis 1, God creates an environment. Genesis 2, God creates marriage, bringing Adam and Eve together. Genesis 3, here comes the devil. By the end of Genesis 3, they lost the environment. They lost their bond with God. And they lost their oneness. Adam and Eve lost the environment. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They lost their bond with God, which is sin came into the world and is affecting us even till today. And they lost their oneness. What happened between Genesis 2 and the end of Genesis 3? The enemy showed up. The devil. And the whole emphasis of this podcast for the next few weeks is to learn how we can protect ourselves from letting the enemy come and mess up and destroy what God has brought into our lives. Perhaps you're listening and you've been praying and, and seeking God to get married and find somebody. I think one of the saddest things in life is to pray hard, seek God for years, and have God bring somebody into your life, which the devil is trying hard to prevent from happening. And if he's not able to stop that from happening, he's going to proceed to step number two or plan B. Mess that relationship up. Make you miserable in it and ultimately break it up. Through God's grace, I want to be able to share. I want to share information that will help you prevent any of that from happening. And we can learn to see the anatomy of how the enemy comes at us and use that as information and ammunition to prevent him from doing that to any one of us. So in Genesis 1, God creates the environment. Genesis 2 creates marriage. Genesis 3, the devil comes into the picture and wreaks havoc to what God started for Adam and Eve. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and let them rule the birds of the sky the fish of the sea the cattle and all creeping things on the earth but notice God said let us make man in our image and let them he didn't say let him he said let them rule in verse 27 it says God created man in his image in his image he created him but he didn't stop there the verse continues to explain to us what it means by him. Genesis 1, 27. God created man in his image. In his image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the him being referred to in Genesis 1, 27 is actually male and female, them. God created man in his image. In his image, he created him, meaning male and female, he created them. Then in verse 28, he says he blessed them. Who is the them? The man that he created in his image. The male and female he created in his image. In Genesis chapter 5, 
verses 1 and 2. It talks about when God created a man in the beginning. He said on the day that he created man, he created male and female. Them. On the day he created man, male and female, them, he gave them the name man. My point is, the man or mankind that God created was encompassed with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were under the man he created. The man that God created was both Adam and Eve. But Eve hadn't been taken out of Adam yet. But the man that God was addressing at the time was both Adam and Eve. Eve wasn't Adam. But I'm going somewhere with this. Genesis 1, God creates the environment. Genesis 2, God creates marriage. Genesis 3, they lost the environment. They lost their bond with God. And they lost their oneness. In Genesis 2, 23, after God brought Eve to Adam, after God brought his wife to Adam, after God created a helper comparable to Adam to Adam, Adam said, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Eve's name was woman. In Genesis 2, 23, chapter 2, where Mary was created, Adam's wife's name was woman. But in Genesis 3, verse 20, Adam says, she shall be called Eve. I'm like, whoa, hold up, hold up, wait a minute. Didn't you already give her a name in Genesis 2, verse 23? How come she now has another name in Genesis 3.20? Because the devil came and wreaked havoc in the relationship. Now, instead of her first name, her only name initially, woman, which indicates the oneness with the man, man and woman, for she was taken out of man, the man that God created, you and I were connected through the creation of man, you are woman, I'm man, you are woman, that's your name, we are one in this relationship, but the devil came in, deceived Eve, caused both of them to sin, came against the relationship, and now you have Adam and you have another person called Eve. They are separated. Their oneness was broken. You are you and I am me. That's how the devil comes against relationships. Breaking two people apart. And today we still deal with that tension. The fight for individuality in a relationship that God designed for unity. Unity does not mean a healthy, wholesome marriage doesn't mean that you can be you, but it means that you can be you while you're connected to the other person. Find out more next week in the While You're Single podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the While You Are Single podcast. We hope that you were informed, inspired, and impacted. OJ Tooks has written a life-changing book titled Rejected for a Purpose, How God Uses Rejection to Help You Find and Fulfill Your Destiny. If you would like to learn more about the book, please visit ojtokesministries.org. That is ojtokesministries.org. If you like Christian inspirational hip-hop, check out OJ Tokes' Christian inspirational hip-hop album, A Breath of Fresh Air, which is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and other music outlets. 
You can also learn more about his music by going to ojcooksministries.org. Thanks again for listening to the While You Are Single podcast, which OJ Tokes presents weekly, every Monday. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share with your friends and join us again next Monday. Until then, take care and stay blessed.